Today is November 12th. We're here in Mays, Kansas, and we're talking about quick edit video. When it comes to any kind of media production in the classroom, I totally believe that flipping the classroom should eventually mean kids creating stuff and making stuff. Um, it is wonderful, as we were talking about in the last session, for us to flip instruction so we can give more direct feedback and be interacting. And when kids are consuming content, they can be doing that through short videos or longer videos. And I tweeted you play pause it, which one of our teachers is using, that pauses the longer videos periodically. Kids have to actually answer a question, and then it gives you that feedback. But anyway, having kids create and make stuff, I'm very, very passionate about. And so... Um, I was realizing listening to your session or one of the one of them today. So like after I finished my doctorate in 2011, I had kind of fantasized about going back in the classroom. It is so hard to be in the classroom full time. I could just do a whole session about how hard it is. I mean, the second year when I was back in the classroom, I, I taught five classes back to back each day and didn't get a bathroom break till one o'clock. And I'd ask my principal, I was like, do you think maybe we could change this next year? And she's like, I don't think so. <laughs> well, okay. So then I became a technology director. So um, it was, yeah, but, uh, but I loved it, right? And, and having the chance to teach STEM, which in Yukon, Oklahoma, still for fourth and fifth grade is a special required for every student. So like PE, music, and art, it's something everyone does. It's not just for the GT or the gifted or for a select group. So anyway, uh, we did a lot of fun things in the STEM classroom. And this is one of my, at the time, fourth graders page. And uh, are any of you doing any kind of coding at school, doing hour of code? And uh, if in, does anybody have iPads? So hop have you used Hopscotch? So I have a there's a free book that I have on the iTunes bookstore and on Amazon about Hopscotch challenges, and I really love I mean introducing kids to coding and the ways in which math can become very visual and tangible because you're making these sprites and objects go across the screen and you're learning about the coordinate grid and positive and negative integers and all the stuff because you're coding and, and that's what you have to do with a with a screen and coding is, is use math. So anyway, this is Paige for for ninety seconds uh, talking about hopscotch and she was a student who just absolutely flew with what she figured out how to do and, and then what she was able to share. And so for me, in this case, the quick edit video is phenomenal because it allows Paige to share. We were in the library, you know, it was pretty quiet, not many kids around, and she's kind of quiet and soft-spoken. And it allows her to share what she had done and what she had created. And then I got to share this with every single one of my classes, right? Twelve classes, everybody. And in school, when when you see something like, uh, Sal Khan or, you know, Bill Gates or KD or some, you know, you can see videos of all these people in other places. But when you see somebody who is a peer and a student, and I've noticed that this happens with media creation. When we create and have our students create a lot of media, you end up getting some really compelling stuff. Like my kids did a lot of Rube Goldberg projects and that one that I just showed you. I mean, it was, if not the best, it was one of the best. This is one of my favorite videos, but if I didn't have a way to quickly capture this and then be able to share it on YouTube, if it took like, you know, 20 minutes or just a long time, a lot of steps, I'm not doing it because I don't have time for that. So anyway, that's a long introduction of this. This is Paige talking about hopscotch. Hi, I'm Paige in Ms. Reed's class, fourth grade, and I've been doing hopscotch for Two months, and I wanted to share a little, a little, a couple of the games I've made. 
here's um, a snowflake one. When I was trying to make a snowflake, I just need a little something like this. <laughs> I think that looks like a snowflake. Yeah. Now, did you get inspired to do this by seeing another program, or did you just think of the idea? I just saw, I went to where you, like, make snowflakes and stuff, uh-huh. and it just, I couldn't make it very well. So go ahead and tap C code and um, tell us a little bit about what you put in. I put a draw snowflake, and I put this big thing. Okay, so did it have... This. Oh my gosh. Did it have draw snowflake as one of the um, behaviors? Yeah. No. She did this all from scratch. You did all that? Mm-hmm. So what does it do? Can you, can you kind of so now she's going to read this to me, like translating it. And then it makes the background black. And then it starts, I wanted to do that, but it just went dark. And then I change it to pink. And then move forward 300, do yellow. Move forward negative 550. I turn 45 degrees, do purple, and it pretty much just goes like that. Okay. All right. scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so on an iPad, Scratch is real similar. This is my son, who's now a freshman in college. And yesterday and today, my dad and I have been working on my eighth grade science project, which is trying to make a compound machine to do Than super glue and, and and large amounts and 
is good on wood. Sure. And anything else you're going to do to finish your project? Is it in finished form? Not quite yet. We are going to spray paint it really quickly without getting the bottles blue too much. But okay, because it's got to be spray painted. And what did, what would you say you learned as a result of this project? That engineering is always a constant motion, and you're always improving upon previous designs to come up with a final project. Okay, here's the test. This one's shorter. And I'm going to ask you to talk about these after we watch this one as far as the value of the quick edit video here. Before we look at another one, um, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and visit about some of what we've seen so far in terms of quick edit videos. What was the value of having a video? And by the way, we're no homeschooling in our house. My uh, two oldest have been in public school. Um, Alexander graduated last year from class and school of advanced studies in Oklahoma City, which is a public magnet. And Rachel, or Sarah, our 11th grader, is is there now. And Rachel is at school with me this year, the first year um, to be at Cassidy. Um, so anyway, that, the, both uh, older kids have had that same eighth grade compound machine project, you know, probably as you do with the same teacher who's, you know, doing that project. And they it came up with different things, but quick edit video played a role in documenting what they were learning and then, you know, also asking them about what they've learned. So uh, I'm going to, you may already know this, um, Google just has a built-in timer, so just go to your Omnibar in Chrome, type in timer. So uh, take about uh, 60 seconds and talk to your neighbor about the value of those quick edit videos. Go. Well, I think it's the value for kids to see where they started with, where they ended with. You can get some of the values. They learned, right? They have to verbalize. You're going to make a face or a mess. Oh, you know. 
So I'm going to ask you all to, to share some things, and I really do like doing a turn, pair, and share activity. It's a standard, standard thing that I like to do in professional development and working with students. Another thing I'm going to model that I really like doing is um, a couple things. Number one, notice this is a playlist. How many of you have made a playlist on YouTube before? Fantastic. That is a great thing for all of us to teach our teachers how to do. You know, If we're going to make a list of skills for the 21st century, being able to use video to share and show is a, is a great initial thing. It's not creating it yet, but I've got to organize it. I've got to save it. How do I find that? So this is a playlist that we're going through here, and we could come down here and click Add to Playlist. Is anybody else using an Apple TV at home at all? One of the things I've liked with the Apple TV is um, I've noticed that when I watch a video here, it goes into my history. And so I can go to YouTube on the Apple TV and go to my history and see that. Or I, you can also click Add to and you have a Watch Later playlist that it adds. Anyway, I like that. The other thing I'm going to do is as we debrief this or talk about this a little bit, I'm going to back up two videos and I'm going to mute my audio. And then I'm just going to play this in the background uh, because... It's visually interesting, and it also sometimes will trigger things to play that back. And it also could keep me on time, because I know that if I'm you know, still talking about this video after it's all you know, played through, maybe I'm taking too much time on it. So what was something you said or your neighbor said or a question that you had? I think we had some questions in the background as far as you know, maybe how these were shot, too. Um, thoughts about the value of this or you know, what, what, what's good about this? One of the skills that we're trying to teach them is how to be like real-world people and like presenting and explaining and having communication skills is important yes and that's valuable that they can see what that looks like in right. themselves right and how they sound their inflection their eye contact right and how they can process the information and explain it so people can understand yeah that's immediate feedback that they can see about themselves and make those adjustments and it's really important, as we ask, I absolutely agree, that we ask good open-ended questions and we ask those probing questions that really get to the thinking. You know, what would you have done different? What's been challenging? Um, uh, you know, what did you modify? You know, can you explain this? And then being able to do that in complete sentences. Absolutely. Media gives us a great opportunity to develop oral fluency skills, to show growth over time, right? Because hopefully, you know, what we're doing here in eighth grade, I mean... I'm not going to get emotional on you, but you know, it is kind of hard when you're, when your kids leave. So we've got, we have our son who's gone and we saw him for parents weekend. It's the first weekend we'd seen him since he left in August. We saw him last weekend <clears throat> and he's doing pretty good, but, um, it's, uh, it's really cool. Um, and it also, um, I think the part that it's interesting to me, because my kids didn't have this this when they were kids, I mean, when they when they were in school. And the, the thing that tells me is 
we have something called 4-H days and where we live. I don't know if you guys have that out here. And I made my kids present to their class before 4-H days. And it they could sell ice to Eskimos because of mm-hmm. that. So having that communication yes. skill. Yeah. But they never got to see. You know, we videoed yeah. their basketball games, but we never videoed their yeah. Right. I mean, this is why I say video is the pencil of the 21st century. How do you remember when it was hard to get video? I mean, you had to check out the camera from the coach. I mean, because the football team was the only one that had it or maybe the library did. But I mean, you didn't have one in your room or your pocket to just pull out. And while video can be hard and we'll talk about this, it, it quality wise, it can be more challenging than a narrated slideshow. Um, there's a lot of real positive authenticity to this. And, and you're right. The, the verbal communication skills, like whose job should that be? Oh, that's just the speech teacher's job. Oh, that's just, no, you know, character, character (laughs) development. Yeah. Character development, uh, digital citizenship, communication. Like that crosses all lines that all of us need to be working on. Uh, what I was going to say about this, uh, is that I love the mistakes. And when we shared this and published this, we had some feedback from some other classes that were pointing out how, how good it was to see this first try, right? Because one of the, mis- one of the fallacies we have about engineering and design and invention and creativity is, oh, you just got struck by lightning and all of a sudden this idea fell out of the sky. Um, recommendation, Stephen Johnson has a great book called Where Good Ideas Come From. He's done a whole series now on PBS, but it, you know, he talks about the slow hunch. So many ideas were hunches that people had and they kind of marinated in their brain over a long time. And so I also, of course, like the modeling of, of being an engineer. Um, well, it shows that failure is not a bad thing. That's right. Meet the, have, kids don't understand that. Yes. Have you seen Meet the Robinsons? One of my favorite movies, right? <laughs> Keep moving forward. You know, don't be stopped. You know, persist despite frustration. So did you all have a question as far as how it was shot? Were you asking about that as far as on the phone? or? Yeah. We, I teach broadcasting, so they're always coming to grab my camera. Right. And uh, then they can't figure out how to get it from the camera to the... Right. And so... I, I've been trying to tell them we've been doing with their phones. But a lot of teachers go on and use their phones, right? And the, the Dropbox. We've gone from I've tried to get them to go phone to Dropbox, and then they could just drag it up to Google Drive, even. And right. Yeah, I have them go from phone to Google Drive, and then they don't run out of storage if you're Google. Where, what are they going to edit on? Are they editing on a Chromebook? Are they editing on an iPad? What are they going to edit on? They are editing on a laptop. On a laptop, on a Mac laptop or a, a uh, Chromebook, PC. a PC. So, and so we've got movie makers. Yeah. It, it, but a lot of kids don't know any of that stuff. Right. So, but if you're not going to edit it, then I, I, you know, I, I'm just shooting it and putting a drop off. Well, us, yeah, and then and then even editing. I mean, my my daughter, eighth grade, seventh grader now, you know, for her uh, history project last year. I mean, she shot it on an iPhone and edited it in iMovie, oh. and it actually turned out pretty well. Um, and she really did that without help from dad. Um, so I think that num- good good rules um, for for shooting video. Uh, number one, it's important to do landscape and not yeah. portrait. You know, a lot of times, you know, in the uh, Snapchat generation and all, they're just used to doing that. You're wasting screen space. I mean, if you're shooting it vertical, and there's a great little video I've got a clip for. Maybe I'll show it. Um, it's called um, 
vertical video syndrome. And there's you want to have the safe for school version because I think the other one has some profanity <laughs> in it. But it's pretty funny and it makes the point, you know, hey, just don't shoot it, don't shoot it vertically. Um, we've gotten some tripods for our iPads at school or some tripod holders, I should say. They're by iPal off Amazon. They're just 10 bucks and it's a, a clamp that goes over it. And that can really help, you know, because jostling around and I mean, bad audio is actually harder to endure than bad video. And, and I kind of, I was thinking today, we were talking after lunch, we could have a session called Avoiding Blair Witch Project Videos in Class. Mm-hmm. You know, because what was the Blair Witch Project? These kids got cameras, they went in the backyard, they started to make a movie. And then Hollywood produced it somehow. I don't, don't go watch that if you haven't seen it. It's really not that good of a film. But <clears throat> the more planning we do and, and the more strategies that we have, keeping things still, framing it, thinking about the shot. I mean, if you teach production, I mean, there's all these different things that go into video. It is really not easy to create high-quality video. So that's also why quick edit is good. And even as you think about maybe assigning this to kids, give a time limit, right? How many of us have sat through PowerPoints that went on forever, right? Teaching pre-service teachers, I found out about the some people say pachacacha, pechacucha. Have you heard of that? It's a 20 by 20. You have 20 slides, 20 seconds per slide. It auto-advances. So you're done in 6 minutes and 40 seconds. And then there's another one called Ignite, which is like 15 slides, 15 seconds, which I guess you do the math. And what is that? Three minutes or I don't know. Maybe it's longer than that. It's like five, it's five minutes, I guess. So anyway, having limits saying, look, I want you to do a quick edit video for your compound machine project but 90 seconds. That's it. I don't want more, you know, I don't want it to be longer. I don't know. You could you can do some of those kind of things. Well, we give them a minute. Right. Right. And they can edit. They can edit. Okay, uh, real quick, I don't think I'll play this whole thing. Simple green screen video. These are 4th and 5th grade GT students at our school who did research about folks and they had created kind of a Visual notes, sort of, it's more more of kind of a, of a web, yeah. But we're using the app Green Screen by Do Inc., which if you don't know that app, I've, I will buy that for every one of my teachers on their iPads. That's the best one. It is phenomenal. Green Screen by Do Inc., D-O-I-N-K, and it's on, on the website that I'll, that I'll share. Um, and so this was just, you know, using that tripod holder for the iPad, the clamp, putting it on a tripod. And um, where was this picture taken? It, it was laying on a desk, right? All right, and she's sitting on a stool in front of green uh, butcher paper, okay? Because it, we did not buy the green screen fancy this time. It's just, and it works. I mean, it works. It, it could get better, but it worked. Uh, okay, say that again. That was just a piece of paper on the desk. Yeah. And you used a green screen. Right. Well, okay, the number one key to that, well, all right. Here's the website. The website link to put down today is go to showwithmedia.com. Okay, so the resources for GeoMap this morning and then today's is here on showwithmedia.com. We are right now in this uh, product called Quick Edit Video. Um, back in 2013, I, I published... Uh, my second book, and I wrote chapters for these first six products. And so, uh, and this was actually puppet video. Um, green screen video is kind of digital storytelling. It can be quick edit video, um, but we're mainly in this section right now called quick edit video. 
And I have just played a playlist here under examples, which said student project quick edit video examples. Um, for green screen now, I've got a, sec a separate page that you can go to. And so it tells you what a green screen is, gives you a workflow, talks about apps and equipment, and here's the app. So that the app that we use for that is this green screen by Do Inc. And it's half price with the volume purchase, so it's like $1.50 each. And that app, along with Explain Everything, are the two apps that I will, that I do buy for all of our iPads at school as the technology director. This is so powerful. There's so much that you can do with, with, uh, that app and, and, and this, this one as well. Okay. So. Hi, I'm Ethan Horton. Today I'm going to show you a tutorial on how to create a quick edit video on Google. This is the, where they did it. You need to take a screenshot of your, of your Google map and then you need to get the app called Green Once you have that app, you need to click it, you need to open it up, and then you will have, you will see this blank page. Once you see this blank page, you click the bottom add, and then you click image. Once you get into it, then you click handle. Once you get into it, you click your image. Once you have your image, on the very top, you, whichever one, you can click camera, And then you can go and somebody will be reading you and you can show them how, what your topic is and how to do My, this is my Google map and all that I'm going to talk about when I make mine. Uh, and there's also another topic, there's also another thing where you can click this and then you can show yourself. You can show yourself one trick is it flips it so if you're doing a weather map that makes it pretty hard for the kids because uh, it does flip the image but that was a quick edit video showing how to make a quick edit video using the green screen and then the sixth grade English class has just finished a unit of historical fiction where each student either read I am David which takes place during World War II or a separate piece which takes place in America just before the outbreak. Today was an exciting day in English class because the students get to choose their new book. They just finished assigned books, but today is a little different because they're going to choose which group they're going to be in. The other part of the class today was finishing our descriptive writing unit. The students chose a topic of their own. So I'm going to turn the volume down here as we talk through this. Um, Boy, this is kind of fancy. Why Why is this fancier than just the compound just machine transition. project? Transitions, voice. So on some of the basic level of what do I want to teach, you know, every student who's going to be shooting video, number one, landscape, not portrait mode. Hold the camera still. Get close to the camera so that the audio can be good. And then there's two basic kinds of shots. There's there's an A-roll shot and a B-roll shot. An A-roll shot is the establishing shot that tells me who you are. I get to see you and you're talking, oh, okay, that's, that's Wes. The B-roll shot is all of this stuff. It's what's interesting. Every time we watch a documentary now, look for this. And when as you teach your kids this, you will be giving them tools. They will not be able to watch media the same because they're going to have these tools and they're going to think, oh, gosh, there's the A-roll, there's the B-roll. Because you'll see it. I mean, any a cooking show, you know, uh, um, 
ice truckers, you know, episode, or, you know, whatever, um, you know, survivor, uh, they're going to have A-roll shots that establish who's talking and then B-roll shots that are the, are the visually, uh, more visually interesting uh, videos. So this teacher introduces uh, the video with, with a video of herself. She's put some annotations down here. All of this you can do in iMovie. Um, and also you can now do basically in the YouTube editor uh, once you get that video into YouTube. Um, so to address your question about how do you get that off the iPhone, I mean, YouTube might, and this is a bandwidth thing as far as having, and also access thing. Can kids upload to YouTube at school, you know, and is there enough bandwidth to do it? But they can take that video from their phone, they can upload it, and for instance, if they were doing a project together, they could use the same YouTube account or they could share the YouTube channel, and then that video content is available inside the YouTube uh, uh, video manager and in the in the creator to be able to drop in and edit. So this this video was created on iMovie, but we could have created it now in the YouTube editor, um, which you know doesn't. If you keep it to that ninety second rule, uploading from my iPhone to YouTube. It. I mean, I I've used my Verizon network without much issue, or eating up much of my data on my Verizon network. But if you have long videos, like I had one that was. Close your ears. You know, like 15 minutes. That's okay. <laughs> and I, and I, I was at home, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm watching TV, I'll just upload it to, to YouTube because I'm too lazy to go get my laptop or my Chromebook. And and I was amazed, actually, my son who was streaming Netflix and I was doing that, it actually didn't take that long. I thought it would just take like a couple hours and it didn't. Like, I thought it was crazy. Well, my, my, my whole uh, room is on PC, so we've got Premiere Pro. So, I mean, I've got. I, I when we green screen every day and broadcast my middle school kids too. But I just for the kids to come down to my room that wanna shoot something quick, they just want a camera. But I, I keep telling them to try to use their own phones. It would be easier to do with your own phones. It's just so simple. But and the flip the flip cameras are gone now. I that was so easy too because then you could just plug them in a computer and and so I bought a bunch of them, but those are my only ones. So I'm really nervous when kids I don't know they come up to me and say. We're actually even using the flip own. on our we our we have the Lenovo N21s and the video camera flips around. Yeah, so the shop teacher is is actually using like the Chromebooks to video okay. their um, safety lessons. And it's pretty good video, yeah. right? Yeah. Cool. My my thought on that is, and we you can do that, but it's really. Now that smartphones are more ubiquitous, and when it comes to just shooting straight video, it probably doesn't matter that much what you're using. You know, if you can shoot it as horizontal and not portrait, if you can get close to the speaker so the audio and, and attend to the noise in the room, right, because the less there's a fan or there's chatter or horns or whatever, you know, the better the, the quality is going to be. Um, and then keeping it short and, and concise. So I'm not having a six minute clip. I'm having several 30 second clips and then I'll, I'll piece those together. Because mm -hmm. the way that our brains attend and the media culture that we live in is very fast paced. I mean, I haven't been into one for a while because our, our kids aren't this young, but you know, the Chuck E. Cheese or the other, you know, cartoon, uh, I don't know, you guess you can just turn on Cartoon Network, but it, man, it can be overwhelming, you know, just how fast, you know, that, that rapid change is. So um, what I've just done is I've opened up QuickTime Player and I've done I've 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 gotten a started a new movie recording, but I changed the source so that instead of um, just recording 
instead of just recording myself and my FaceTime camera, um, I uh, have a, a, a lightning cable plugged into my iPhone, and then I can choose my iPhone. And I can do this with an iPad as well. So there's different ways to be able to show your screen, uh, but this is a nice way that doesn't require wireless or whatever, and, and I can demonstrate whatever I want to show on my phone on my screen. So I've got that plugged in, and I'm going to go over go over to that in just a minute. Um, I want to point out that on the resource page that we have here, um, First off, there, uh, I think there's maybe three categories we could think of for, for quick edit video. And I say iOS, but it doesn't have to be iOS. This can be, be Android as well. Although I'll say the trailer, iMovie trailer is phenomenal and you really can't do that on Android. There's not another tool that does that. But I would say there's no edit video, there's quick edit, and there's lots of edit. Vine, they just announced, I'm so bummed, it's going to go away. It's been six, six second video, uh, and it's, they're going to provide a way for folks to download their videos. But it's really, I, when I first heard it, I thought, how silly, but wow, there's, it's kind of neat to just have these six second, you know, little, little video clips. Um, and Instagram, yes, and Facebook, and these other, I think that's a big part, and Twitter too, they, they all have the ability to share videos, so, so anyway, Vine is, is going away. Um, but a quick edit video would be, you know, trimming off the front or the back of it and then uploading it or maybe an iMovie making some edits or then doing lots of edits, which um, this is kind of cool. Pinnacle Studio is a $15 app, but where iMovie only lets you basically have two audio tracks, you can have the built-in audio track and then one more. Pinnacle lets you have, I think, three different um, tracks of audio behind and is just a lot more sophisticated as an iOS-based Yes, absolutely. Right. And and more sophisticated, but it costs, right? You guys uh, no, paid a license. We videos free? There's a paid version. There's a paid yeah. version, but there's a free version. You can get okay. 10 minutes, right, or something like that for free. But I we can produce 10 minutes of video for free. I can't remember if it's 10 or not. Yeah. I know Screencastify is 10, but I'm not. Okay. It, yeah, I mean, it's great. There's so much more going to the web. And at ISTE, our International Society for Technology and Education conference that happened in Denver this last summer, it's always the last week of June, it'll be in San Antonio, uh, Google announced a series of things with, I think, WeVideo and Sound something, not cloud, it was a podcasting thing, and just more cloud-based ways for Chromebook users to produce media. So this link for Miami device, which by the way, if, if you can do it, uh, next November, come to Miami, <laughs> and this has been, uh, I think they've had it two years, and so this will be the third year, but November of 2017, I'm going to try to take a team, and not only, of course, not only is it very innovative with just, with great people to learn from, it's Miami, and there's the food tour, and there's, and Felix Giacomino, who did that um, song to Frozen, is, was, is sort of the... If they get the Yanika or Mika or whatever virus under control, come down. Oh, is that going on down there? Okay. So um, I did a session at the last Miami device uh, called App Smashing to YouTube, and I actually did that at ISTE as well, um, so I'm not going to be going through all of that, but um, this... This talks a little bit about some of these issues. How do I turn in a video? Um, do any of you use Seesaw at your school or have teachers using Seesaw? Okay, the last year, I've been doing um, an iPad media camp for the last four years, and this is a three-day a three-day hands-on workshop with iPads. And this past summer was the first summer that we used Seesaw. Seesaw is... A, an app as well as a website 
that allows you to exchange media and then interact inside your classroom. So you can share things, you know, outside. But, you know, either one of these is a, is a good way to turn in video. We've had one of our orchestra teachers asking his students to record some of their practices at home. And then they was doing this last year. And then he was, they were turning it in to Google Classroom and then he was able to watch that and to, to give them feedback. I think this is a huge question, you know, as far as how do I do this? Uh, one of the problems with these, you know, can be that they're private. I'm a big advocate for sharing and being able to share things outside. Um, my wife, Shelly, and I have been working on a project, which we're going to make into a book, um, not by Christmas, but hopefully next year, called Inside and Outside Sharing. And uh, there's stuff about that on digitalsharing.org. I really believe this. If we lock all our work behind a password, we deny ourselves and our students these teachable moments to meaningfully discuss and practice digital citizenship. In other words, when we are sharing these things at, you know, out on the web and on your YouTube videos, you absolutely want to turn on comment moderation, right? When I log in, when I'm here on YouTube and I click up here on my upper right corner, I have these different channels. These are the channels where, where I have videos and I can go into my creator studio and so these are the most recent videos that I've published. Um, when I click on my video manager, I can manually do some edits to these, or I can select all the videos. And if you don't have this set as the default, I think that you want to go to more actions and comments. And what do you think you want for school videos? Yes, I recommend only approved. Now, some people will say don't allow. Actually, I think it's great to get that feedback. And that's what this little 16 by the bell is, is that there have been 16 likes or comments on videos in that channel that I could click on and, and take a look at. But uh, that's, a, that's a really important thing because the last thing I want as, some, as a tech coach or, or a teacher, you know, is for something to blow up and there's a profane word or there's bullying or, you know, something like that. So... Please be aware that the default setting on YouTube videos is for comments to be turned on, and so I recommend that you do turn the moderation on um, on the comments. But, you know, it's it's something I think we want to help people grow towards. Uh, and so uh, YouTube is, you know, it, it, it has positives, it has negatives, but overall, this statement, this is Jim Sill, who is Mr. Sill, M-I-S-T-E-R-S-I-L-L -L on Twitter. He now works for the EdTech team and does um, uh, lots of video sessions for them at their Google summits around the world. He said this a couple years ago, um, and it just blows my mind, right? Globally accessible, unlimited, high definition, mobile friendly. That is staggering. And YouTube has figured out how to monetize that. So they're making money. Uh, Gangnam Style, which I won't play for you right now, uh, but, you know, had the most views of any video. And there's been estimates of how much, you know, Google made from that, from, from that video. So, um... Yeah. Okay, this is, this is the safe for school version. This video didn't have to look this way. It could have been prevented. Say no to vertical videos. Vertical videos happen when you hold your camera the wrong way. 
There are more and more people addicted to making vertical videos every day. There are two different kinds of people who are afflicted with VVS. The first group treats the videos they shoot like pictures. They don't mean any harm. They just don't understand that while you can turn a picture, you can't really turn a video. Vertical video syndrome is dangerous. Motion pictures have always been horizontal. Televisions are horizontal. Computer screens are horizontal. People's eyes are horizontal. We aren't built to watch vertical videos. I love vertical videos! This time YouTube will begin showing four videos at once, just to save bandwidth. Letterboxd vertical videos will be the size of a postage stamp. And it will spread everywhere. Movie screens have always been horizontal. If vertical videos become accepted, movie theaters will have to be tall and skinny. And all the movie theaters will have to get torn down and rebuilt. Birds will bash into the building. We will all get stiff necks from looking up. And no one will sit in the front row ever again. And George Lucas will re-release Star Wars again. The skinny edition. <laughs> I was never really able to tell the story that I wanted to tell. This was a great chance for me to experiment with the new technology. Every time a mobile device is used to record video, the temptation is there. Just say no. Say no to George Lucas. Say no to vertical video. And if you see someone doing it, say no. Right, humor is a great way to get at a serious point. Just a couple more things and we're going to be done. Um, this, All these resources are here on this page. So uh, you definitely want the school appropriate or safer school version of that uh, vertical video. It's under more resources. That's edited for kids. Um, I want to just point out a couple quick things. Um, iMovie, is, how many of you have made a an edited movie in iMovie before? Okay, So it really is a phenomenal a phenomenal platform uh, to be able to, to do some quick editing. Um, when you're here in the video, one thing I'll say is when you export, you click on the share and you say, I'm going to save the video. Um, which, what do you pick? What choice? I pick the medium. Medium? What do you all, do you want to pick anything else? I pick the best I can do. Best you can do, okay. See, there's a lot of answers depending. For home stuff, I'm choosing 720p um, because it's not going to be as big. It depends on the size of your device, right? We have 16 gig iPads and those fill up. So at school, I tell our kids choose large, okay? 540 is going to look okay, but it's not going to fill up the iPad as fast. Um, but for myself, I'm choosing 720. But that's a that's a decision to make as far as sharing. Um, also, be aware that. Uh, you know, we can directly share to, to Google Drive. So they don't have to put them in Google Classroom. You don't have to put them on YouTube. Um, you can directly share there. And I was using the YouTube Capture app a lot, um, but now I am doing more of just clicking on the share square and then choosing YouTube here. You may or may not know this, but you can change the order of these. You can hold your finger down. I'm going to do YouTube a lot. I can move YouTube and make that, you know, come first. And when I choose YouTube and I go down here to the bottom, um, that's going to show me the account that, I, that I'm going to use. So I can sign in, sign out of an account. Um, we did, in one case this year, last year, I guess, Set up a student, a shared account that students have, but that's really dangerous to, to give kids, because they could log into YouTube and delete everything on the channel. 
So you probably want to have students turn things into you via Google Classroom, via Seesaw, um, or another method. But that doesn't mean kids can't create a shared channel on their team, and then they put their videos on that channel, and they edit that within the YouTube editor, or with WeVideo, or, or another kind of tool um, like that. All right. Anybody want to ask a, a last question? This link on the website for this conference on his on the session. Yeah, on yeah, on his session. So okay. Well, I'm going to leave you with sort of the charge at the end of the service. Okay, I want to charge you to go forth and Mm -hmm. equip students and teachers to create and share video because being able to and this is something we got to work on because we're not at most schools providing that space for teachers. We wouldn't have a question about do I have pencils or I have paper, but you know, do I have a space to share video? Do my students have a place to share video? These are things that we need. And so taking steps forward in our um, comfort creating videos and then also helping our students good good things can come. So let me know what you do and good luck. Thank you all very much. Uh-huh. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio-based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.